everybody, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. Today's guest is Tia Williams, and she is an ultimate style and beauty insider. For 15 years, she was a magazine beauty editor. Some of the magazines include Elle, YM, Lucky, Glamour, Teen People, and Essence Magazine, and she created one of the first style blogs the award-winning Shake Your Beauty. She's the best-selling author of The Accidental Diva and The It Chick series and co-writer of Amon's The Beauty of Color. Her latest novel, The Perfect Find, debuted in April and was an instant bestseller. Currently, she's the copy director or Estee Lauder Companies. She lives in Brooklyn with her seven-year-old diva daughter, as she has here in her bio, and all of their various accessories. Now, the reason I had Tia on the show is because she had really incredible inside scoop onto what it was like to be a beauty editor. And this is a job that has always fascinated me. And I've been trying for a long time to find a beauty editor that would share some inside scoop with me. And they're really hard. It's really hard to grab the attention of a beauty editor. But I guess when you're really ready for the lesson, the teacher appears. And I had recently done an interview about the podcast for American Salon Magazine. And at the end, I really hit it off with the gal interviewing me. And she said, is there anything I could do for you, Lori? And I said, gosh, if you know of a beauty editor, I would absolutely love the opportunity to interview them on the show. And she said, I have the perfect person for you. It's my friend, Tia Williams. She introduced us. Tia was generous enough at the end of her day. It was 9 p.m. when we did this show. Generous enough to share her story on what it was like to have a job as a beauty editor at major magazines at a very young age. So I know you're going to love this story. It's super inspirational. Tia is also the author of The Perfect Find. She had sent me a copy and it is a juicy novel. So if you're looking for something great to read this summer, I suggest you purchase a copy of this novel. And we're going to tell you where to find all the information surrounding all of this good stuff as you listen in today. So enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I am a licensed esthetician, spa owner, and beauty biz industry coach, consultant, and educator. I'm so excited to share my love of all things beauty industry related with you. So I invite you to join me each week as I feature compelling interviews with industry educators and leaders and inspirational success stories from my fellow beauty biz practitioners. Stay tuned for some powerful beauty biz inspiration. everybody and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. And today I have a very special guest who I cannot wait to chat with. And her name is Tia Williams. How are you, Tia? Hi, I'm so excited to chat with you. I think we should be honest with our listeners and tell them that you and I seem to both be like devoted beauty girls. <laughs> it's well, nine I'm- o'clock at night. Yeah. And you're and, like, and this is yeah. And you're like, Lori, I'll be there. I'll do this. <laughs> I just have to put my daughter Absolutely. to bed. <laughs> yeah. The second after I put her to bed, I'm in there. I'll talk about beauty at any time of the day. It doesn't matter. I can't wait to share with the listeners your journey in the beauty industry because I am wildly impressed and I want to ask you a million questions. We have a lot to fit in in this show. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you want. I'll, I'm an open book. Okay. So let's talk about now your current job. You're Estee Lauder as a copy director. Yeah, I'm the copy director for Bumble and Bumble, the hair care brand. So basically, I'm responsible for the entire voice of this brand. So I name all their products. I write all the packaging copy. I do the 
ad materials, signage and salons, any words that are associated with Bumble and Bumble, I write. I, what is it like there? I picture you walking into a Mecca in New York City to go to work every day. Yeah, I have to say it's kind of cool. Like the, you know, so Estee Lauder owns Mac and Clinique and Beta and Origins, a bunch of truly amazing brands. Um, and most of them are all in the GM building in Midtown. But since Bumble and Bumble is associated with their the salon, um, we're in the same building as the salon, which is downtown in the meatpacking district. So it's a completely different vibe. It's like downtown. It's super cool. Like we wear sneakers to work and I mean, fashion sneakers, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're in New York, of course. (laughs) And um, It's just really like laid back and, and just, it's a great vibe. And the, the fact is like, I'm on the fourth floor and there's a salon on the eighth floor. So if I'm having a bad hair day, if I have somewhere I need to go after work, like I just run upstairs and get a blowout and it's fabulous. That was my next question. Do you, are you in the salon all the time getting amazing services. (laughs) I mean, they're really, it's really nice to have a salon right there. I mean, the the perks are incredible. You know, it's like you have a stylist on call at all times. So it's kind of, it's great. Well, I want to thank you. The main reason I was connected with you through a friend of yours and somebody who interviewed me for a salon piece, an article, I said, Marcia, I said to her, Gosh, I've been dying. She said, is there anything I can do for you, Lori? And I said, you know what? I've actually been dying to speak to a beauty editor. Do you know any beauty editors? She goes, oh, I've got the person for you. (laughs) So Yeah, it's funny because I've done done like almost everything you can do in beauty. Yeah. I just love you so much. Well, I have, you know what? I don't know why I'm fascinated with the job of a beauty editor. And it seems like, I don't know what it is. They're hard to get a hold of. Their time is so valuable. So I want to pick your brain a little bit about that. But before I get into it, I read that you have been a beauty editor at L, Lucky, Glamour, Teen People, and Essence.com. Like those are big magazines, big yeah. publications. Yeah. Uh, NYM, if you remember YM. Yeah, I do. Young Miss, right? <laughs> Young Miss, that's yeah. right. That was my first beauty beauty position. And um, I was just hooked after that. I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a writer, and I always knew I was obsessed with makeup. Like, since, I don't know, I was, like, in second grade. Since I was my daughter's age. Like, I was just, I would bring makeup to school and make over the little girls and get in all kinds of trouble. I've been doing that, too. Like, I got everyone ready for prom. I got my mom ready to go out on Saturday night. Then I became a flight attendant, and I was doing extractions on fellow estheticians in the bathroom when we were bored. That is hysterical. Yeah, when you know, you know. Yeah, exactly. How did you find your way into becoming a beauty editor? Because it seems to me like it would be an area that's hard to get your foot in the door. What's your background? What's your education? It it is hard, and especially hard then because... Um, you know, now there's a million ways to get your voice heard if you want to be a beauty writer. You know, it's not just magazines. It's, you know, digital. It's vlogs. It's blogs. It's podcasts. You can do so many things. But back then, if you wanted beauty news, it was magazines or like MTV House of Style. <laughs> you know, so these were very coveted um, positions in the 90s. So I went to UVA and I majored in um, creative writing. And minored in getting everyone's makeup together for (laughs) formal. And and right after college, right after UVA, I I knew I wanted to be in magazines. I knew I wanted to write books, so I obviously had to come to New York. And so there was this summer publishing program at NYU. 
Um, and you just, you know, you go after you graduate college and get a certificate at the end of the summer. And this is very 1997. It would not happen now. And everyone is guaranteed a job at the end of the summer. And so the whole summer, you're, the whole thing is they have people from the industry come and teach in the course. So we had beauty editors come. We had fashion editors come. We had, you know, actual people that were working in the industry wanted to be in. And so we were networking all summer. And by the end, I, I had a job. Were you scared to, to sign up for that summer course? Like, was that a lot of pressure stepping into it? Um, you know, what's so funny. One would think, right? Like I'm from the suburbs of Virginia. I'm moving to New York with no, you know, real plan except for this summer course and what happens after August. You know what I mean? But I had so many balls when I, when I was younger. It's like I never even thought about things not going my way. It's kind of like that that it's just that courage you have when you're young. You're just like, why would things go wrong? Everything will be fine. I felt like that too. I remember when I applied for my first flight attendant job, a friend of mine, he was a pilot and he said, well, don't get your hopes up because you know, for every person they hire, like 5,000 people are, you know, turned away. And I go, yeah. well, whatever. And I still did it anyway. And I went to three interviews. It was like, I wasn't stopping till I had that you know, accomplish. So you're right. We do step into thing. I think the fear of a career is learned over time. And as we see what really goes on inside everything. Yeah. I mean, I would never do that today. You know, when I was four jobs after that, I was the uh, beauty editor at Glamour and I was the first black beauty editor they'd ever had. And it was a big deal being there. And I was pretty young for the position that I got, you know, that I was in. And it was, you know, it was a, it was, it was a big deal and I was miserable. How old were you? I was 25 and I was dating this horrible guy and, you know, the environment at work was a little Devil Wears Prada. You know, it was kind of intense. Especially if you're younger and beautiful. I imagine it, it enhances the craziness of the vibe. It, the vibe is tough. The vibe is tough. And, you know, I put all my stuff in storage and quit one day and moved, left New York and moved to Spain for six months where I taught English to eight year olds and I wrote my first novel. And I look back at that and that is something that I know that I would never, I would never do that now. When you just said what you did, I got the chills because I think that is so ballsy and amazing. And you're, you seem to live a dream that a lot of people wish they dared to step into. I, you know, but again, I, I wouldn't do it now. Like, it really was, you know, just blind courage of, you know, and just being young and, and just thinking that it'll all work out and it'll be fine. And yeah, I'll just leave the country and there'll be a job when I come back and it'll be okay. And there was. And there was. That, that's what was so nuts. When I was over there, September 11th happened. And... One of my mentors was working at Lucky at the time, and she was like, I need, you know, someone had left, the senior beauty editor had freaked out and left, and she was like, I need you to come home, and I need you to take this job, and I was like, okay, and I came back and jumped right back into the magazines and sold my novel and and met a man and got married, and things were perfect, and you couldn't have told me that my life was not going to be golden, and, you know... It was. And six years later, I was divorced and laid off and very, very sick and in and out of the hospital and had to sell the apartment that I bought with the advance for my first novel. And 
there are some very intense life lessons there, you know? Don't you think that's when we grow the most though? And then we step forward a little more powerful into the next part of the journey. Yeah, I do. Thank God that happened. Yeah. It's when you figure out what you're really made of. I want to ask you about your book because I've started reading it in a minute. I want to ask you about being a single mom, but first I want to ask you about being a beauty editor. There are a few questions that I have. What does your day look like as a beauty editor? Because I feel like a lot of my followers are dying to know this as well. We want to know what the inside scoop is. What do you do when you get to work? What's your day like? Okay. So I have, I can answer that two ways because I I was a beauty editor for a really long time and now I'm a a beauty copywriter, which is a little bit different. So a beauty editor at a magazine, you know, or, you know, an online zine, you get to work, you are inundated. When you walk into your office, you can barely see your desk because there are bags everywhere from all of the brands sending you their new launches so that you can cover them. And that was something that I, that never got old to, it's like walking into like your office at Sephora. That's how I feel just doing the show. It, it, yeah, it, my closet's I, full, but gosh, how do you, uh, well, finish. Cause I told you I have a million questions for you. This is exciting for yeah. me. It's actually your job to go through everything and try everything and, um, and then try to assess where, where the trends lie. So you have a desk and you, and you have a beauty closet and you lay out everything new and then you start grouping things together, you can see the trends happening. Like if you got a zillion emerald eyeshadows, then well, that's happening for fall 1998. (laughs) (laughs) Like you start making groups like, oh, this BB cream thing is happening. It it seems like, you know, we've just gotten a BB cream from like nine different brands. So what is that all about? You know what I mean? And you, you know, you start putting it all together. Like what's up with all these highlighters? Oh, strobe is happening. Okay. So the Kardashians are happening. It's 2009. Now we all need to have eyelashes and really heavy, like blush and extensions. So it's just, it's being plugged into what's happening in pop culture. It's being plugged into what's coming across your desk. The other big part of being a beauty editor is the event. You spend about, I don't know, you spend about 40% of your day in the office. The rest of the time you're running around to launch events that brands are throwing. So, you know, YSL has a new lip gloss. They're inviting you to the rooftop of the Gantaport Hotel to try on this lip gloss with, you know, an Instagram star. You know, like it's they're, they're these really inventive sort of events. I mean, that's what they're like now. Back in the day when there was a lot of money, you would go on a lot of press trips. You know, Chanel will fly you to Paris. You know, Lancome will fly you to Costa Rica for a launch. It was, it's, it's really exciting. And the fun thing is that you don't stumble into being a beauty editor. If you're a beauty editor, you are obsessed with beauty. And so you're surrounded by none of this excitement is lost on any of the women in the beauty industry. It's, it's thrilling for all of us because we live for it. You have to live for it you know, year after year, season after season to write about, you know, clean, dewy skin being the hot thing for spring. (laughs) Well, that's what I want to ask you. Two questions that I'm curious about. Is there any brand loyalty that you yourself have, or is it just always, there's a shiny, bright new object being dangled in front of you? Like, how did you find brand loyalty? It's something that you loved, or do you kind of jump all over the place? Well, there's your personal beauty experience and then your professional beauty experience. You know, most beauty, beauty editors don't even wear a ton of makeup. 
because we're so inundated with it at work. It's not, you know, it just isn't the thing. But everybody has like their three or four brands that they personally stick to, but you can't go to work and only write about what you like. Yeah, because I started getting all these products as gifts and seriously, like two months in, I started breaking out and I'm like, I'm an esthetician. I know better than to put something new on my face every single day. And this is on a small scale, like you're getting amazing stuff every single day. Your desk is covered in it. So I always wondered, how do you not get caught up in that? Well, the other thing is that not everything you can't, like you're saying you broke out because you're trying too many things. Not everything is for everyone. Like I have chronic super debilitating migraines, like daily migraines. And so I could never handle any sort of perfume in my office. I could never write a fragrance story. There's just no way I just, I couldn't do it. You know, I have curly hair, so I'm not going to be the one to try volumizing products or like, you know, texture, you know, surf sprays or anything like that. Like you, you know, you know where, you know what your lane is. So you don't end up trying everything. And that's why you have a department with, with different women with different needs and different hair types and different skin types. And, you know, you spread it around. How many beauty editors is there typically for a large magazine like Glamour or Elle? Um, between three and five. Okay. Yeah, between three and five. And now there's digital, so, you know, it's even That's more. a whole different segment, right? You To get like a mention or your product promoted on a digital brand is totally different than the magazine, the whole back-end office, everything. Oh, yeah. It's not the same people. It's not the same. I mean, the timeline is totally different. And with the magazines, you're working with the three-month lead time. So you're, the need is different. You're planning these big, beautiful thousand-word stories. You're doing, you know, fancy photo shoots with, you know, sort of intense budgets. You're booking models. It's, it's definitely a more intense experience for digital digital is intense in a different way because everything happens very very quickly got it the beauty news is coming in you know every hour on the hour and the beauty news is coming from everywhere it's celebrities it's what you know these these superstars are doing on instagram like what the latest makeup artist that everyone is following you know is pulling off it's these you know girls with the, what do you call it when they unpack with the halls? It's, you know, they're, they're unpacking, you know, what they bought at Target that morning. Like you have to stay on top of so much and you have to be first because if you're not first, you might as well be last. Like you can't be second with the news. You might as well be last. Okay. So, so this leads me into my next question that I wanted to ask you as a small business owner in Los Angeles, I've been lucky enough to be mentioned in some cool publication and online type websites, but I've tried to pitch to 5,000 people what I think is a unique idea. How does somebody get the attention of a beauty editor that's not a huge brand like, you know, YSL or are, are beauty editors interested in the small business um, or an expert that owns a small business or, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody who yeah. just has something they'd like to share that seems fresh and new and trendy. Well, you know, the thing, the thing is you have to tailor the pitch depending on where it's going. You know, you know that if you're going to pitch a weekly tabloid, you know, that it would be best if you had a celebrity client or two. You know, if you're pitching a health and fitness magazine, you know, is there some health component to it? Like it helps to actually help shape the story. 
And I always say, like, go to digital first because digital editors have to produce so much content. You know, they are looking to fill up. They're looking to to fill up their editorial calendar. So if you can put some bells and whistles on, on it and actually have a story almost prepared, you know, that, that's a great idea. I think old school pitching, you know, I have this, I just developed this new mascara. It's awesome. Try it. It's not going to, it's going to fall through the cracks. It gets lost. It just, it gets lost. Everything has to have an angle now. Everything has to be hashtagable and searchable now. You know, look and see what's trending, what has, what's trending on Twitter. Will you explain to me what everything has to have an angle means? Well, you know, right now, everything, okay, social media owns us all, right? Yeah. Um, even with print, like, you know, at magazines, they're trying to figure out how, how to be more digital in a print space, which is, which is tough. Um, but everything has to be searchable now, and it has to be trending. And if there's something you can put in a hashtag that's happening – so the way PR even works right now is before anything is pitched, you, you look through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and see what people are talking about. You look at, on the left side, you know, on Twitter, on your homepage to see what the trending topics are. And it seems really cheap and it seems like you're cheating, but this is how to get noticed these days. If the trending topic is like if it's an award, if, if an award show just came on and somebody you know, everybody's talking about so-and-so's updo. Like everyone was talking about Lupita's, you know, uh, towering hairstyle at the Met Gala. You know, if you're a hairstylist, if you have a hair brand or you have, have something to do with hair, try to tie it into that. Got it. It's, that's what I mean by having an angle. And try I to- have heard most reporters and journalists really do hang on Twitter. Like that's the biggest social media for people to find their, their sources. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all all the writers are on Twitter and that's the thing, you know, the kids are on Snapchat. Everyone's on Instagram. Your mom is on Facebook. (laughs) The writers are on Twitter and and those, those trending topics, like you can't beat them if you're trying to pitch something. Now, I also read that you started one of the first style blogs. I did. I did. It was this, like, the second or third beauty blog ever in 2004 is called shake your beauty. And it ran for 10 years. And, um, yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I had just quit magazines. I was the beauty director at YM and I quit because I had gotten my first book deal and it was a two book deal. And, you know, I really wanted to focus on that. And that was always my big dream growing up. And so I was like, okay, but I love beauty. What am I supposed to do with all this, you know, beauty energy I have that I need to get out? And my agent was like, well, why don't you think there's this blog thing? Like do that. And I was like, I remember thinking that it was, is that like, yo, like some sort of like yoga or (laughs) blog even mean? Like I thought she meant like, go do this blog thing to like work out your (laughs) energy or To connect to your inner self. (laughs) I was like, okay, like where do I sign up to take this blog thing? And she was like, no, it's, it's almost like, you know, your own, own person. This is how she described it. She's like, it's like a diary that everybody reads. Huh. I was like, oh, I could do that. So this is like pre, there was no social media. There was no, no, not even any Facebook yet. It was nothing. And, um, you know, really archaic setup. 
you know, the pictures were terrible. At, for the first year, I didn't even have any pictures on my blog. It was just me writing. And um, it's just so funny to look at it now. It looks so antiquated. But my style was always like personal essays with beauty woven into it, you know, like, oh, I went on this horrible online date with this person and these are the crazy things he said. And this is, you know, when he said that, I said I had to go to the bathroom. And so I picked up my purse and I left and I never saw him again. But this was a lipstick I was wearing while I was doing it. <laughs> so it's so, kind of like sex in the city-ish. <laughs> it's very, yeah, like it was, it's very, you know, my readers grew up with me. Like I was married when I started, I got divorced, you know, I had a baby. I had like fertility struggles for three years that they all knew about, you know, and then I was single and, and dating and, you know, they, they were with me the whole time and, and my approach was always just this very anecdotal, like short personal essay kind of thing. And, and, um, you know, I think the buy-in was buying into hearing about my experiences and then the the beauty was, was second to that. Did you take it to the level where you had advertisers and you were gaining a revenue from it? I did. And then I stopped because I, what I realized was, um, I couldn't keep up with the bloggers that were 10, 15 years younger than me. You know, I, when I started, I was posting maybe twice a week and they were long, long for blogs, you know, like long, long for beauty blogs, I should say, because a beauty blog traditionally is, are their product reviews, you know, and those are quick and those are snappy. And, and I, you know, I was writing essays and you can't, and Slowly over the years, as blogging became more popular and the, the market became really saturated, the girls would, ha- you know, start posting four, five, six times a day. And if I'm posting twice a week, I can't get the I can't get the numbers that everybody else can get. And I am just not tech savvy either. Like once all these different social media platforms came in, once it became a thing that one, you know, you write the post, but then you have to promote it everywhere. And you have to promote it slightly differently on on Twitter than you do on Facebook than you do on Instagram, you know, with different word choices, you know, you have to think of an SEO, SEO means search engine optimization, you have to think of an SEO friendly title, like all this stuff started happening. When I started, it was just like a very organic, okay, I'm just going to talk about, you know, I'm pregnant and, you know, my tummy is itchy and I'm (laughs) trying this thing and it's interfering with this baby doll dress because it's sticking to the lotion on my Bell. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of my sort of like stream of consciousness moment. And you can't really monetize that when you have, when everyone else is posting 10 times a day. And, you know, by the way, those 10 times they're posting, that's 10 products. And those are 10 brands that can buy into what they're doing and pay them. So these girls are hustlers. They're hustlers. Yeah. They're hustlers. And I, I'm just an essayist. Well, I have a feeling you have a gift that I am envious of that a lot of my girlfriends have. You have to write every day or your brain will explode. Is, are you that type of girl? Yeah, it's the only thing. I don't I, I don't really work out because my head always hurts. I don't, you know, I'm a single mother, so I don't have a lot of time to really go out. I, I, so I don't really have an outlet. I don't drink. I don't, I don't have any vices. So I have to do something to keep myself sane. And so I write every day. I have a consulting and a coaching business in the beauty industry where I help women, you know, get it together and help them design. I feel a business that they, not only they desire, but they deserve. And one of the biggest 
roadblocks or the scariest part of women stepping into success is the fact that they're scared they won't be able to show up the same as a mom. And you seem like you really have it all going on. So tell me, now you work full-time at Estee Lauder and you said you're a single mom. You come home, your life is crazy until nine o'clock at night. Is there a system that you use to get this all done or to not feel completely overwhelmed and like you want to shut down and not do anything? Well, I don't think that I am the healthiest example because I'm a person who I'm so driven. I just keep going and I don't take care of myself the way I should. Like I realized that I had one glass of water today. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like I oh, sometimes I'm the same way. I'm like, I didn't have anything to eat. I didn't use the bathroom and I didn't have anything to drink. And it's seven o'clock at night. Yeah. Like that's not good. Yeah, I know. That's- terrible. And I look around at some of my girlfriends, uh, you know, who don't really have as their time is their own. You know, when you don't have a child, there's, you know, you can be more devoted to self-care, so to speak. Exactly. It's so foreign to me that I couldn't even articulate the words. You can actually set aside time for self-care. And you, you really can't when you're in a position like I'm in. And from the outside, it looks like, wow, how does she manage all this stuff? Like she, you know, there's, you know, she's writing a book. She has a full-time job. She has, she's keeping this child alive. Like, how does this all happen? And the way it happens is something always has to give. And unfortunately for me, it's that I don't take as good. You're not devoted to the self-care and feeding your soul right now, which I will lecture like I do everyone else, maybe one hour a week, you got to devote some time to yourself because it makes you a better mom. It makes you more creative at work. So I agree. And I keep telling myself, Oh, as soon as it's always as soon as like, yeah. you know, as soon as the book stuff dies down, as soon as, you know, school's out for the summer, as soon as, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll go out on a date or I will, get it back. I love pole fitness. I know it sounds silly, but like I used to be obsessed with pole dancing. Like my OBGYN after I had Lena was like, Oh, a great way to strengthen your core is to go to this studio and take these pole dancing classes. Like it, you, you won't believe it. It sounds crazy, but it's, it's so good for you. And I just became obsessed with it and I did it for so long. And now I, you know, I don't have the time. And every time I see like a lamppost or like, <laughs> literally those poles in the subway. Like I just want to jump on them. You know, I took a pole dancing class for like 10 weeks. And first of all, my arms were ripped in like three weeks. People have no idea if you haven't tried it, how difficult this is. No, it's so hard. It's so hard. But I remember walking home from bars at night and I'm like, Oh wait, there's a stop sign right there. Let me just show you one of these cool moves that I learned. (laughs) I know. People don't understand. Like I actually do it like I did it on the plane. Not like a proper like stripper trick, but like, I just, I was like, Lena, watch this. And I I just climbed up the pole and she was like, we need to leave now. (laughs) You're embarrassing me, mom. (laughs) It was truly mortifying, but it's so much fun. And that's something that I love to do. And I just don't have time and it makes me feel good to do it. And it's a sense of accomplishment when you learn a really difficult new trick. And you know, it's, it's a great thing. I have some friends that are into soul cycle. I have some, you know, you have to find your thing, but I just don't have time, but I promise I will get back into it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to email you because this is something I do with my girlfriends. I'm going to follow up on this with you (laughs) in a month or so. Once your daughter's out of school and you found your summer routine, we're going to chat. Okay, good. (laughs) 
I want to step now into The Perfect Find, which is a novel. I, first of all, where did you find the time to do this? Do you, do you stay up all night long writing when you were putting the book together? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would wake up at like three in the morning and write till I would have to get her up at six and do my whole day and come home and do it again. Like I did not sleep for three years. I was going to ask you, is that how long it takes you to write a book like this? About three years? Well, no, what's odd is, so this is my fourth novel and my fifth book. And the other books took about three months each, but I had never written a book as a mother before. And so, you know, your, your time is devoted to mothering and all, you know, and I have a very demanding little diva at home, um, who expects like Taylor Swift and Megan Trainer dance parties like after home. Like <laughs> she is one of those kids that like that's like you will engage. You know, it's it's not I'm her playmate as well as her mother. And I love doing, you know, like she's my baby and she's so much fun. So but it's it's exhausting. Do you have any so, help at all? Do you have family in the city? Does your ex-husband help out or is this like your gig 100% of the time? No, I couldn't. I, there's no way. My ex-husband lives like five blocks from me. So on purpose, we live, you know, so close. And, and so we, he has her three days and I have her four days. So that's, you know, that's really helpful too. But the truth of the matter is on the days that she's not with me, I just sleep. <laughs> well, it sounds like that's a gift <laughs> that you're giving uh, to yourself. Right. So it was weird. The, the t- I wrote it on the days that I had her and then crashed on the days that I didn't. I want to talk about the book a little bit because you sent it to me and I picked it up over Memorial Day weekend and I struggled because I wanted to put it down because I allow myself, I read business books and I read marketing books and then I give myself one good splurge into a novel that I get lost in every year when I'm in Hawaii. I want to save this for Hawaii, but I'm having a hard time with it because first of all, I found within the first chapter, I'm picking sides of characters. Like Jenna, I'm team Jenna right now. And I really don't like Darcy. She's the the bitch boss for anyone listening in, which we've all had, right? Yeah, she's crazy. Does some of this storyline reflect your real life experience? Totally. Totally. (laughs) I mean, should I say what the book is about? Of course, say what the book is about, because then we'll tell everyone where they can get it. Because people ask me all the time, Lori, I want something good to read. And I highly recommend this book. I think it's a powerful career girl that shows she struggles and picks herself back up. And it, it's, it's a great, great read. So please tell us what it's all about. Okay. So it is vaguely autobiographical. See, I didn't know that part, but as talking to you through our, our podcast here today, I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> some yeah. stories are catching up. Yeah. It's all becoming clear. So yeah, like I was saying of like three or four years ago, my whole life kind of completely imploded in this crazy way. And for someone who was always such a perfection addict, like when I was 18, I made a list of everything I wanted to do by the time I was 27 (laughs) and I did it all. And every, I was upset, even like the way my bathroom was put together. I remember I used to have to have all my products like just so on my shelves. And I was so addicted to this perfection ideal that was ridiculous. And so when the rug got pulled out from under me and I got laid off and could not get a job forever because everything was going digital and I was such a magazine person. And then I was, had these migraines every day. I was in the hospital for like two years and divorced and selling my apartment. All I needed to do 
I was so hungry for stories about women that reinvented themselves and pulled themselves out of holes when they thought that they were over. And so what I did, what, what my therapy was, was inventing Jenna Jones, who was like my alter ego, who had also lost it all, like a famous fashion editor who got laid off and her fiance, the only man she's ever been with since she was 18, dumps her and she loses all her money and goes home like to her parents' house in rural Virginia for two years and misses out on the entire social media digital revolution, just falls out of society. And then finally is like, I cannot, I can't live like this anymore. I have to, you know, I'm 40 years old. I got to do something with my life. And so she comes back to New York and begs her evil rival from the nineties, Darcy Vale, for a job at her online fashion magazine. But she's way in over her head. Everyone is a millennial. Everyone's like 23. She doesn't even have Facebook. She's never hashtagged anything. She's completely lost. They think she's a dinosaur. And she's so out of step for the very first time. And she's broke. She's living like in a, you know, horrible studio on like on the worst block in Brooklyn. And somehow she's faced with all these obstacles and has to figure out how to pull herself out of it and win and come out even more badass than before. And along the way, she ends up having falling in like ridiculously passionate love with someone who is half her age. See, this is killing me. I don't want to jump ahead, but I do want to know, okay, who is this guy, this lusty secret romance? (laughs) I'm already curious. And really, when you first bring her back into the workforce, you do it in a way where I had such a vivid visualization of how she showed up that first day. I don't know if it's because... Like, I get it. I get because I'm in my 40s. I get what it would feel like to walk back into that type of environment and be clueless. Half the time, my spa clients have to adjust my cell phone for me because I can't see anything or I don't know how to make a call because I've hit a certain button. So this character is very relatable to me, and I'm sure it will be to anyone who takes the time to purchase and read the book. Yeah. And they're, you know, all her coworkers are speaking a language that she just doesn't even, she doesn't even know what they're talking about. And she's so used to being the star. And so she's just completely, you know, she's just down and out for the first time and has to learn new rules and navigate this secret love. And, you know, the guy, I can't really talk about it because it gives away a huge plot point. Like, No, and I don't want to know. I don't want to know because I'm into it now where that's really has my curiosity sparked, like how she's going to find her way in this new world. And I'm dying to know who she's going to start dating. So with that being said, tell everyone where they can find the book, read about you, purchase the book, give them your URL or tell them how to, they can check this out. So you can buy The Perfect Fine on Amazon or iBooks or BarnesandNoble.com or Kobo. And it's available, you know, in you know, an ebook, Kindle, Nook, or paperback, whatever you want. Um, and my website is shakeyourbeauty.com. Shake your beauty, like, you know, shaking your booty but beauty. <laughs> <laughs> or tiawilliams.net. It goes to the same place. Um, and on Instagram, I'm shake your beauty on Twitter. I'm shake your beauty. And on Facebook, I'm Tia Williams. Awesome. Well, I want, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning of our podcast this evening, it was nine o'clock at night in New York city when we started this. So I want to thank you for it. I really felt honored and I, I felt blessed that you we're willing to show up and share your story with myself and my listeners. So thank you so much for that. You're a true diehard beauty girl. I can tell. 
<laughs> so are you. This I am. I am. I, I don't usually get on the, the, the podcast later on in the day, but I'm like, no, this is one girl. I want to hear her sh- story and I want to share her story. So I, I'm like, I'm all in. I don't care. I would have even done it at nine o'clock my time tonight if that's what you wanted. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Well, it was so much fun talking beauty with you and everything else. You too, Tina. Enjoy the book. I hope you love it. I will. I I really think think I'm putting it aside for Hawaii because they do devote to one good, juicy novel. And I'll definitely be in touch with you. I may have questions along the way (laughs) just to say, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Can't wait to find out this. Because that's kind of how I felt the first week. Like, gosh, how is this going to unfold? And your writing is very eloquent and beautiful and it makes sense and you get great visuals in your brain. So... Thank you for the gift of this novel to any working woman that may feel slightly beat up and wants to make a comeback. Oh, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to write. And, and you know, I, I always love a, a saucy love story. And women triumphing over, you know, adversity. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it's powerful. And hopefully really getting back at the bitch boss. That's what I'm looking oh. forward to. Yeah. Oh, you have, I can't, you have to email me when you're finished. Cause okay. I have to <laughs> awesome. I will. Okay. Tia, thank you so much for getting on the phone here and chatting and sharing your story with the listeners on the beauty biz show. And one more time, give a shout out to your URL so they can find your website. Okay. You can find me at tiawilliams.net or shakeyourbeauty.com. And I am shake your beauty on Instagram and Twitter and Tia Williams on Facebook. Awesome. And you can buy the book at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, com or iBooks. And we'll put a link on my blog when the podcast goes live. So everyone can just go there and visit as well and just click right onto your info. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks Tia. Have an awesome night. I'll chat with you soon. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to live beautifully. If you'd like a copy of my free report, six simple strategies to generate a dramatic increase in your beauty biz income and fill your appointment book with valuable clients, please visit www.lauricrete.com. Or if you'd like to book an appointment at my spa in Los Angeles, please visit www.thespa10.com. Thanks again for tuning into the Beauty Biz Show.